Welcome to the Startup Help Desk. We are here to answer your questions about building companies, starting companies, and the meaning of life. All of your hosts here are experienced entrepreneurs, founders, and executives. We have built companies, sold companies, invested in hundreds of companies, and we're here to share all those hard lessons with you to hopefully make your journey a little bit easier. My name is Sean Burns. I've been a founder for about 20 years of companies like Flurry and Outlier.ai. I've coached hundreds of companies, invested in many more, and these days I try to share all my hard-learned lessons with you through my newsletter, The Breaking Point, and on this podcast. I'm joined by two illustrious founders, Nick and Ash. Hi, everyone. My name's Ash Rust, and I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through my fund, Sterling Road. I've also worked at places like Trinity Ventures as an entrepreneur in residence and Bullpen Capital as an advisor. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, most notably an early employee at the social media analysis company Clout, as well as the CEO and co-founder of SendUp. These days, I spend most of my time coaching founders, and I've helped more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. We help people learn innovation skills, solve mission-critical problems, and start companies. This is my second startup. I've supported hundreds of innovators and startups along the way. And like you, I'm constantly finding new challenges on this startup quest. Thanks so much and excited to jump in. Excellent. And today we're talking about crisis management. How do you handle a crisis? How do you prepare for crises? But before we get to that, keep in mind, all the questions are here today were submitted by listeners just like you. So if you have a question that you'd like us to answer in a future episode, we would love to hear it. Just find us online at thestartuphelpdesk.com or on Twitter at thestartuphd. That's thestartuphelpdesk.com or thestartuphd on Twitter. So let's jump into it. Crisis management. We don't love crises. What First, what do we mean by a crisis? A crisis is some sort of big event that happens to you that threatens the survival of your company, your business. It could be something that you do, like you a production outage of your product where you have to bring the product back online before all your customers leave, or something external, like we're talking in, here in the spring of 2023, and we recently had the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, which is a banking crisis, one not very high on the list of crises that most founders and CEOs are used to dealing with. So everything we talk about today will be crises and let's jump into it. So the first question up, and actually I've gotten this quite a lot, mostly because a lot of people are shell-shocked now is, Ash and Nick, what, if anything, can I do or you do to prepare for a crisis? Well, unfortunately you can't predict crises. So we can't prepare for everything, but we certainly can't do nothing. So by and large, this is a fairly classic plan for the worst, hope for the best situation. And we're going to want to start with the basics. So I like to have multiple sets of projections, including ones where maybe you don't get to raise any more money, or maybe you don't have access to as much credit as you thought, or uh, maybe you uh, spend a little bit more and, uh, and maybe you have to make some tough decisions. All of those kinds of things would be nice to have rough ideas of, of where you're going to run out of runway, what kind of expenditure you need to do, and what kind of milestones you need to hit in the near term. Legal coverage, very important. So even if you're an early stage startup, making sure you have things like your IP covered, uh, that is can be a big problem. One of the most common crises that startups experience is uh, losing a co-founder. And if the IP is not managed correctly, that can be existential. And Ash, by that, you mean you mean that it's not clear who owns the IP? 
Right, exactly. Or if uh, you perhaps had someone who was working at another company whilst they were part-time on the startup, then that can cause problems as well. Ooh, that's bad. Don't do that. Yeah, Yeah, good call. So in both directions, you need to make sure that you've had a conversation with a lawyer, that you've got good documents that people have signed over the IP correctly, that they can't use it if they're an employee or a founder, uh, and at the same time that your IP is not owned by someone else. Uh, going back to the other issue on um, SVB, the banking insurance issue. So we're advising every company in our portfolio uh, to make sure that within 30 days, so at the beginning of Q2 2023, uh, they would have 100% coverage uh, FDIC or in a money market or something similar, where there's no risk anymore of deposits over 250k uh, being uninsured. And all of that kind of goes back to the general ethos of good runway management uh, as a basic principle of making sure you're ready for a crisis. Then in terms of team interactions, I really want to think about regular cadence of communications with all your team members. Um, so uh, all hands, those kinds of things. And then one-on-ones with your direct reports. Uh, having clear ownership across your team also makes a big difference. If you have more than one owner on an important goal, and then you have a big crisis around that goal, uh, then those two owners will likely blame each other. So lots of small things you can do that are mostly basics to prepare for a crisis. So you're in the best possible position to be resilient uh, rather than uh, knowing what's going to come. Yeah, that's a great call. And it seems that, well, number one, I say this in jest, but I think we all can agree that being a startup founder in some cases almost feels like you're in a constant state of going from one crisis to the next because you're constantly encountering new challenges, some of which are existential and some of which are um, incremental on your journey. And I think one of the themes that Ash is um, really mapping out here is the best way to prepare is to build a great business, build one that's got diverse revenue, build one that's got good processes in place. And so one other thing to consider that has certainly helped me plenty, and I think that uh, plenty of other founders would agree, is surrounding yourself with other founders. So for example, I'm in a WhatsApp group with more than 60 founders. There's constant discussion going on around best practices, and that group takes off in the moment of crisis, particularly this recent banking crisis. So that's helpful. Also, I'll say I eagerly await every new tweet from Sean. Well, what happens with uh, bad advice in those kinds of settings where there's lots of people? Don't you suffer from the crisis of the commons? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And so part of it is being able to surface routes. So just understand what kind of routes and options exist. And then, of course, you have to have a good internal process to figure out where do we go next. And so then if you- So those are good places for options rather than necessarily knowing the exact answer. That's how I look at it. Absolutely. Well, I think if you have issues with the advice though, Ash, you could just listen to this podcast and follow all of us on Twitter and you wouldn't have any problems because we would never give bad advice, right? Problem solved on that one. That's for sure. Well, only, yes, you could listen to one third of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I listen to two thirds of this podcast, so that's something that has uh, I would say is working and, on. And quite I think well. it's it's good for you to listen to yourself, Nick, and from that learn improve. Um, <laughs> oh, remember, oh, listen, too Nick, good. not talk to yourself. Listen to yourself. Very different things. Oh, that's right. That's right. You can listen to our last two episodes and see the listening theme it has come to be through. asynchronous. That's right. Oh, that's good. Well, big picture, having a a approach to be able to just surface options, surface routes, and understand what 
at what steps people are taking is really helpful. Also, one other call out that relates to this is part of this means being plugged into a community in some way. And so you can find stakeholders, you can find founders who've done it and be able to learn from them. But also this is part of what makes an accelerator enticing for other folks too. You can get plugged into communities of people who are at a similar stage of their startup journey and be able to you know, reduce the time it takes to learn from somebody else who's navigating through something similar. So big picture, surround yourself with folks that can provide some options. That can be extremely helpful. I have a question for you, Nick and Ash. This wasn't part of the question that was submitted, but it just my curiosity, which is, you know, as founders, at least the three of us, we've been in this long enough. We've seen multiple crises. We saw the 2008 financial crisis. We saw the the COVID pandemic lockdowns. Now Speak we're speaking for yourself. I'm 16 years old. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, child labor lawyers do not listen to him. It is definitely not the case. I, I just the one thing that's true of all these crises that have been quite significant is there was no way to predict them. They were surprised everyone. Like how big, how, how do you know, is there any way other than what you guys have recommended, which is just generally prepared for anything to happen to you, but are there specific crises that do warrant specific preparation? Are there any specific kinds of crises that you need to do anything specifically to be ready for? Well, the ones that where the legal documents are required. So you need to be able to fire people in case they do something ridiculous. So that's your HR documents, your employment documents. And then you need to make sure the company owns the IP. So that's the the making sure that people aren't working on two things at the same time and that you've got your IP locked down with your employees. But in general, I don't know if there's some uh, specific crises that you can do more prep for. Is there something that you're speci- specifically thinking about, Sean? No, I was just curious about it. Like I'll give you an example. A lot of like you're, you're giving people very good advice, Ash, about preparing for future banking crises by diversifying their 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 treasury and make sure they have FDIC coverage. But there's other crises in the horizon, like like the U.S. debt ceiling crisis. And hopefully it turns into nothing, but you know, there's enough inklings there to invest. Is it worth even thinking about what you would do if there is a U.S. debt crisis? That's an interesting point because it could be a government shutdown. So if you're working with federal uh, actors, then you may have a slowdown in your business. You may not close contracts. You may not get paid on time. So if you're working with governments, especially the federal government, then that could be an issue. Yeah, exactly. I was just curious if you had any specific guidance, but I think all, all overall the message is clear. Make sure you have runway, expect the unexpected, and make sure that you own the IP for your company because that is just, yeah, straight up. Okay, Ash, what else is on our question queue? Let's cover some more about crises. So back to the banking crisis, March 2023, how do you handle that kind of crisis that's bigger than you are when it comes up? How do we handle the crises that are bigger than we are like the recent bank crises? Well, nothing's bigger than me, so I'll let Nick sort of answer this one. <laughs> that's good, he, that's good. Were well, you talking about waistlines? I, I thought we weren't going to be talking about appearance. <laughs> uh, I'll quickly step in here before this one uh, unrolls too quickly. Hopping in, of course, we know that we need a plan. And so part of it is, having a plan to collect data and then a plan to be able to take action. And so step one of this is just understand, is this a priority? And so sync with your co-founder immediately, confirm whether this is something that is a crisis that demands your attention. And so if it impacts your business, your employees, your customers, then it's probably something that takes precedent over everything else. So one is just confirm priority. Two, understand options. And so we talked about seeking guidance from others who 
are taking steps. And then part three is execute the plan. And I'll say that Ash had mentioned legal as being a key part of crisis management. Ultimately, one thing that's so crucial is having an established relationship with the legal team well in advance of a crisis. And so they can help map out a plan in the event of a crisis. And then if a crisis strikes, they can be there for you to take action. The key is if you reach out to them cold, the moment a crisis strikes, that can be catastrophic and can leave you without a solution. And so have that established well in advance. I'll stop there. Sean, what's your take? Well, A, I agree. You should definitely be prepared in advance. I I think that the the key thing about these big, big crises, like the banking crisis or the COVID lockdown crisis, is that these are macro events that are happening to you, which is different than an internal crisis like a production outage. An internal crisis, you can probably understand all the moving parts. You may not be able to fix it quickly, but at least you can quickly triage, understand what's happening, create a plan. If something's happening to you, you probably will not have enough information anytime soon. And so you need to focus on survival. You need to make sure your business will survive long enough so that whenever this wave has passed by, you're there and you can handle it and hopefully um, continue on. So for example, when the crisis hits, the most important thing you need to do is assess, okay, great. How long can we survive in this crisis mode? In the COVID lockdowns, there was a lot of companies who thought it was going to be two or three weeks and they didn't have, their burn rate was too high and by the time the market opened up again, Went which was a few months curve. later, just two weeks, yeah, they, man. They, those companies ran out of money waiting. And then all of a sudden the best, best VC market of all time kicked up just months later and they didn't quite make it. And so the question is of being, can you survive it? And, and acting early is really important because the longer you wait, the more you're burning, um, you know, the people, the companies that move their money out of Silicon Valley bank more quickly, Everybody ended up being made whole and nobody lost any money, but they had a lot less stress than some of the companies that move more slowly. So if you're going to move, move quickly, be decisive, make sure you can survive. And then as information comes out, as Nick said, you can create plans or at least plans to have a plan and manage it. But man, if you don't survive these crises, it's just everything else doesn't matter. So you have to focus. And sometimes that means making some really unfortunate decisions like cutting your team and laying people off. Uh, maybe you can hire them back if you survive and maybe you can't, but it's it's difficult, especially I remember there was a moment as a CEO of a company when the lockdowns were happening in COVID. It's like, do I want to fire people or lay them off in a market right in the early days of the lockdown? We had no idea what was going on. We didn't know how long it would be. Everyone was laying off. There were no jobs. Unemployment was skyrocketing. And you're looking there and saying, listen, these people are on my team and I appreciate them and respect them. Am I going to lay them off into this market where I don't know if they'll ever find a job again? And that was a very hard moment. I'm reminded of uh, Fred Wilson's words in these kinds of downturns. Surviving is thriving. Yeah. And you have to do what you have to do. And they're not going to be easy decisions. But it's uh, unfortunately, I have bad news for everybody. These series of crises that happen to you, they they're going to happen in the future. We just no idea what they'll be. Maybe it's the U.S. debt crisis, or maybe it's going to be China invading Taiwan. I mean, who knows? It'll be something, but guaranteed, it'll be unexpected, and you won't know how long it will last and how long it'll affect you. So just do whatever you can to make sure you make it through the other side. I will say, by the way, as a lesson in this, my first company, Flurry, we we were growing during the midst of the 2008 financial crisis. And this was a time, if you, if you weren't operating a business back then, like two out of every three startup companies failed in six months back then. It was insanity. And we survived. And frankly, surviving 
was an enormous competitive advantage. And one of the reasons Flurry grew so fast is because everybody else went into business. And so if you can survive these crises, it can lead to future success. But it doesn't if you don't make it through. There you go. That's my deep, profound Sean thought of the day. It's good. And it also seems to underscore the fact that tectonic shifts are things that, of course, can just change, can change the world. And sometimes they are the result of a technical shift. And sometimes they're the result of a crisis. And so ultimately, those that can be able to survive... That's exactly right. <laughs> there are too many, uh, too many examples of tectonic shifts for us to make it through my response there, but you get the gist of it. I actually am imagining now Ash is in a, in a pitch with a founder and the founder presents this brilliant business plan and Ash sits back and says, well, what are you going to do if there's a volcano? And he just is quiet. We happen to see the more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with well, Italian founders, that peninsula is dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man uh, someday you'll do that with a geothermal company and they'll be like that's gonna be great for our target market <laughs> <laughs> right we're mining asteroids <laughs> we need your experience <laughs> asking questions about oh. volcanoes oh man okay nick save us we've only answered two questions and we have a quota of three questions and it'll be a crisis if we don't get through them so hook us up what else do we have on our queue for today All right, let's do it. The third founder submitted question is the following. What do I tell my team if they are panicking during a crisis? Sean, do you want to kick things off here? (laughs) Well, first, I'll start off. If your team is not panicking during a crisis, there might be something wrong because usually that is the natural human response. (laughs) Well, I mean, if there is lava in a volcano, I think there probably is going to be fire. So you're probably pretty safe on that. But, But seriously speaking, if you're a smart you know, person, you're probably going to panic because especially these macro crises like the COVID lockdowns and the banking crisis, consider as a CEO or the leader of your company, you have a lot of information about what's going on. You don't have all the information, but the people who work for you have even less. And so they are going to panic even more because they're not just worried about what's happening. They're worried about what they don't know. Have you told them the truth? Have you told them everything? Have you been honest with them? What's the future going to be like? Are you going to smile at me today and lay me off tomorrow? So your team is going to have a high level of stress and panic around it. So the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that and just be honest with them that they you understand that you know, you're not going to treat them as if they shouldn't be panicking. You're just going to acknowledge that that's a natural response and make sure that they're focused. The worst thing I've seen leaders do is you leave your team hanging there. You don't give them guidance. They'd have no direction. And that just leads to panic to grow. You want your team to have something to work for. If you don't have a plan, create a plan to create a plan. Have your team work towards that. Have them gather information. Do your best to make sure everybody is working towards something. That gives people focus, and that focus is an important part of feeling like you're taking back your agency, that you're not just in the whim of this crisis that's happening. At the same time, just be honest, transparent, your people first and employees second, so make sure that they understand that you understand where they're coming from. And they're going to look to you. The way you react to the crisis is the way they likely will react to the crisis. If you are panicking and screaming at people and angry, they're going to get angry and scream at people. If you're calm and level-headed and logical, they will probably, to the best of their ability, try to be calm and level-headed and logical. And so I'm not saying that you have to be some sort of superhuman that doesn't panic. But just keep in mind that people are looking to you. You're a leader for a reason. And so they need you to lead as best they can. And they're going to have concerns and you just need to make sure that they feel heard. 
if you start to pretend like you don't hear them or you have no forum for them to ask questions, even if you don't have answers, by the way, they should be able to ask questions and get some clarity. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to do your best to navigate through. And hopefully what I'll tell you is after navigating a few crises myself as a CEO, your team will have enormous faith and trust in you as a leader if you rise to the occasion. And so it's a chance for you to really cement your leadership of your team in a way that, you know, the normal course of business might not offer you. This I'm not recommending you go find crises, but if they come to you, just be honest with your team and communicate and you'll be rewarded later. Ash, what do you think, man? You've lived through a bunch of crises at, at your, 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 your young age of 16. <laughs> it's been a journey. So I actually agree with almost all of what you're saying there. So I was thinking maybe I'll present some of the alternative dun, 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 points. Dun. I know, right? Like the hour was midnight. So um, let me present some of the alternative points and see what your response is to those, Sean. So um, the team needs to know the real urgency of the situation for motivation. So that's why I'm giving them a hard time. I'm not sure what you mean by a hard time. Like if you are yelling, screaming, pushing people hard, oh, making aggressive demands uh, for deadlines to be met, uh, you are doing that because the, we need to hit goals in time for to survive and the team uh, is hearing it from me. I am giving them, um, you know, uh, audio cues uh, <laughs> because they need to understand the urgency for motivational reasons. I think that, well, A, I think giving them aggressive deadlines is a good idea. If you have to, I, my personal opinion, these are all my opinions. If you have to yell and scream at your team and get angry with them for them to feel urgency, you failed as a leader. That there has to be a better way for you to get them to understand how urgent something is without you screaming and and in that so disrespecting them as people. But that's my personal opinion. And by the way, it's not like leaders are robots. If you're panicking, your emotions are run high, you may yell at people because you just can't deal with it. And that's, nobody's perfect. But if you're using anger or screaming as a tool, man, I, I just feel like you, you needed to correct something a few exits back on the highway. Okay. What about the scenario where you could say, I don't need to spend time doing open Q&A or all hand sessions with the team because anyone who's not on board with the plan needs to leave and get off this train. We need everyone focused. So before I answer, is this your management style, Ash? I worry that there's like this hidden subtext. Is this is your management style? This is what I was expecting. This is what I've heard from your f- employees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that there is there is definitely a school of thought that your job as a leader is not to constantly remind your team what needs to be done, that you set a direction and their job is to follow it. In reality, I think that life is a little bit messier than that. And your team, you know, especially in a world of a crisis where there's things changing and, and, and things, it benefits you quite a lot to remind them over communicate and be overly transparent. But that's my per- current style. And let's be perfectly clear. I actually I'm not sure, but I've never seen research that indicates that there are specific leadership styles that have better financial outcomes for the companies that the leader is leading. So I don't know if that leads to better financial outcomes, but let me tell you, it definitely leads to better personal outcomes. I sleep better at night having my team, knowing my team is honest with me and I'm honest with them. And that comes from, you know, being overly transparent and overly communicating. And then speaking about the sort of uh, person part of this versus the uh, employee as a number element, 
So don't those individual concerns come second to company survival? Uh, I think there's a good philosophical question there. I think the answer is probably yes from the perspective of a CEO. But Ash, what do you think? What do you? How do you prioritize the survival of business? I ask the questions around it. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm using my reverse I'm, card. I agree and- <laughs> with you. This is the problem. I, I agree with your answers. So I'm trying to find some kind of alternative perspective um, to discuss because. I agree with you. There's in a in a bad crisis. There's little uh, opportunity to yell and scream and get good ROI from that. Um, by and large, people need to see calm and and some kind of confidence from you in in a, in a plan that's probably going to be pretty tough to execute. Well, I'll say on, on the last question you asked about the people versus companies, I will say I'm probably not a good person to answer it. And I'll tell you why. In that moment, when the COVID lockdowns happen, and as a CEO, you're looking at your business and the logical solution, I answer is you should lay people off and cut, cut your costs. I wasn't able to do it because I looked at the, COVID, the market and the unemployment rates, and I wasn't sure that these people would find jobs, and I couldn't do it. And it was clearly the right decision as a leader to make. And I didn't, and I, so I don't, I don't know if I'm a good person to answer because in that moment I failed as a CEO, but I think I succeeded as a person. So I don't know. Real talk right there. Um, thanks for sharing That's that, good man. Stuff. Um, yeah, the, so I think my perspective is that the individual concerns do come second to company survival, but you also have to remember that the collective individual concerns, the body of employees, the team's cohesion is also essential to company survival. So we've got to kind of balance these two things at the same time and understand that the team is the foundation of the company's survival. So you have to look after them to a certain extent. Uh, Yeah. At least until we all have AI employees and that solves its problem for us. But that will be a crisis to talk about another time. Uh, Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Crisis GPT. (laughs) Okay, we're going to buy that domain name before the episode goes live so all (laughs) you domain squatters can't steal that because that is gold. Okay, well, we've talked a lot about crises. I hope that none of you experience crises in the future, but the reality is we will. Hopefully some of this helps you. Ash and Nick, as always, thank you for your profound appreciation of my sense of humor. Thank you both. Absolute blast. Yeah, I'll be here next time. (laughs) (laughs) if you have questions you'd like us answer in a future episode find us online at thestartuphelpdesk.com or on twitter at thestartuphd we would love to answer them but for now the startup help desk is closed good luck in building your business